Welcome to a self-published author's diary. I am Elodie Novodatsky. I write about first time, second chances, things that scare the crap out of me and things that make me laugh out loud. I'll be speaking with you and sharing my adventures in self-publishing, the behind the scenes of writing and the business side of it. And before we get started today, a small message from our sponsor, Anchor. Thanks for listening. Good morning. I hope you're all doing great. Um, today I'm going to do things a little bit differently because I am currently celebrating my birthday. I turned 40 on August 18th. Yes, that happened. And we're also celebrating our wedding anniversary Yay, go us! That's <laughs> my husband in the background, as you can hear. We've been married for 10 years. Well, tomorrow, August 20th, will be 10 years. And I'm not going to be recording an episode, but I will be sharing with you the first chapters of the audiobook of A Summer Like No Other. A Summer Like No Other is available on Audible, iTunes, Google Play, pretty much anywhere. You can also buy it directly from me on my website, www.elodinovodatsky.com. And you can listen to the full 45 minutes on my YouTube channel, which I will also add the link to in this episode's description. So right now it will be the three, I think the first three chapters is what I'm going to be posting or uploading rather. And it is narrated by Megan Carter. And if you have not yet listened, I have two episodes with Megan. I have a full interview and I also have like a quick Q&A that I did with her about narrating audiobooks. So if you go back into my episodes. I will also link um, both episodes in this show's description. So again, hope you're all doing great and then enjoy the beginning of A Summer Like No Other. Bye! A Summer Like No Other M and Nick, Book One Written by Elodie Novodatsky Narrated by Megan Carter Chapter 1. M. The pop music blasts from the speaker so loudly that it resonates within me. I jump once, twice, three times with my fist in the air, and then my hips move to the pounding rhythm. The mirrors on the wall aren't used to seeing me dance like this. I usually dance to Mozart, Tchaikovsky, Prokofiev, Minkus, not to Madonna. I tilt my head to the side. I don't want to rehearse the movements from any ballet choreographies, but I should. I rise on my toes into a releve. I don't want to be Amelia Moretti, 16-year-old ballerina who tries to perfect every single movement to the point of obsession. I lower my body down, bending my knees over my feet into a plie. I don't want to be the girl who swears she doesn't care about being adopted, but who has been trying to find her birth parents. I stand on my toes again. I don't want to dwell on the fact that I have the saddest crush on Nick, the best dancer at the School of Performing Arts and my brother's best friend. I want to let go and dance. I close my eyes and raise my hands, moving my lips and making up words as I sing off key. I leap from the ground, 
My legs form a grand jeté that would have me thrown out of the School of Performing Arts. My front leg is not entirely straight, and I'm definitely not high enough in the air. But I don't care. I land on one foot, do little jumps, and then turn and turn and turn, enjoying the moment, not worrying about anyone possibly watching me. The summer has emptied the dorms and the hallways of the School of Performing Arts, and if my dad hadn't lost his job, I wouldn't be here either. I would be dipping my toes in the ocean, lying on the beach at the Hamptons, thinking of how to make Nick notice my new bikini. Those days of careless spending and adventures are gone. My feet take me on another spin. I concentrate on the music, on the feeling of freedom that comes from letting my body move, on the possibilities ahead, pushing away the thoughts that the music will end, that I will need to face reality, that this feeling of happiness will disappear. Nice, Em. But aren't you supposed to wear clothes when you're dancing? I gasp. Nick stands in the middle of the room, shirtless. His sweatpants hang low, like in Abercrombie models. All strong biceps, ripped abs, and chiseled torso. Note to self. Keep breathing. What are you doing here? I stutter. My heart does its usual happy-to-see-you-Nick dance. Even though, ever since my father got fired, it's been a little tense between us. He's not supposed to be here. He's supposed to enjoy the beach where we used to have bonfires. He's supposed to dip in the water where we played Marco Polo. He's supposed to live the life we used to have. And, of course, he's supposed to be tanning on the sand, flirting with every girl in a tiny bikini, breaking hearts. Hmm, what could I be doing in the dance studio? He raises an eyebrow in his aren't-you-cute-little-sister-of-Roberto way and I want to scream. But I keep my voice as casual as possible. Here in New York, I roll my eyes. Not joining the usual group in the Hamptons may have sucked, but it was supposed to give me at least two months without seeing him. I was enjoying the show, he replies, laughing. Yeah, right. My cheeks flame as I stare into the deep green sea of regrets that is Nick's eyes. He moves his hips to the music still blasting in the room, a room that is usually able to contain twenty students easily, but which now seems to be closing in on us. I'm pretty sure this dance is not on the repertoire, but it should be. You looked great and like you were having fun. Fun, I blabber. He must be joking. I'm sweaty and out of breath. My hair is probably wild around my face. My posture is all wrong, but he doesn't glance away. His eyes roam my face, down my neck, up and down my body. My almost naked body. I'm only wearing a bra and tiny shorts because I was supposed to be alone here and the stupid AC is being a real diva, working one second and then stopping for a minute while temperatures are hitting the hundreds. My hands curl around my middle, my ears feeling hotter than my own personal hell. You never dance like this, like you're having the best time of your life. His gaze heats up, or maybe it's me. My top and my tights sit neatly folded on top of my gym bag, right by the stereo. I shift on my feet, hesitating. Should I rush to get them? There's something about the way he looks at me that glues me to the floor. He's looking at me like he sees me. Really sees me. Maybe this is the wake-up call he needed to realize I'm not only Roberto's annoying little sister. Get a grip, Em. Get a grip. I clear my throat. You still didn't answer my question, 
I thought you were supposed to be at the Hamptons with the rest of the gang. My voice falters, but I keep my I am not hurt mask. None of the friends I used to go to the Hamptons with return my calls. I've received a grand total of one text in the past two weeks, telling me how much fun they're all having and that I'm missing out, like I didn't know. Nick crosses his arms over his chest. His very muscular arms. His very defined chest. I really should get a grip. Nick's a dancer. He's got an amazing body because he is a dancer, because he puts in many hours into training it, because that's his job. Other guys at the school have a perfect body too, but I don't drool over them. So why him? He smiles and chuckles. What's so funny? I ask, blowing a strand of hair away from my face. His chuckles turn into one of his happy laughs. It's a laugh that usually would have me melting and laughing right along with him. But I'm not laughing right now. I will not laugh. What is so funny? I ask again. And the way he looks at me like he sees behind my annoyed voice grates me. It almost seems like he's trying to push my button so I can forget about my bitterness. He winks. You want to sound angry, but you don't. You sound surprised. And maybe, do I dare say it? Happy to see me. Yeah, right. You're so full of yourself. Is that a requirement to be one of my brother's friends? I stretch, grab the remote control lying on the floor, and turn off the music. We do not need to have this conversation over the collection of 80s music I found in Mom's closet. Something about listening to Like a Virgin right now seems inadequate. Or maybe too adequate. You know the only requirement to be one of your brother's friends is to like playing Formula One and Mario Kart and the occasional Call of Duty. Your brother is pretty easy to please. You, on the other hand, not so much. If my brother is so easy to please, why haven't you been to our place since school ended? I stare at my shirt as if I could will it to fly to me, as if I developed supernatural powers in the last hour. Going to grab my shirt would mean brushing past him and I'm not sure my heart could handle the proximity. I've seen your brother. I kicked his ass at Formula One last night, Nick replies. This time, my smile is real. Roberto hasn't said anything, but he missed hanging out with Nick. I know they only needed a bit of time to figure it out. I guess I didn't get invited because you were afraid to lose. I can't help but sound a bit smug. I've got mad video gaming skills. Or maybe because you're a sore loser. Nick grins the grin I love, the one that makes my heart beat faster than any ballet rehearsals or showcases. And apparently, Nick cannot hear the thundering of my heart, cannot hear how it's beating so fast I'm afraid it's suddenly going to stop, cannot hear how it's dancing its own dance for him. Nope, instead of staying at a safe distance, he strides my way, so close I could almost touch him. This is one of my dreams come true. Dreams, that must be it. I must be dreaming, which means soon he's going to kiss me. He's going to whisper that he wants me, that he's always wanted me, that he loves me. I lick my lips and take a deep breath. But nope, instead of kissing me like he would in my dreams, he smiles one more time, steps away, and walks to the bench on the other side of the room. He picks up my clothes, my gym bag, and then brings them to me. Come on, Em. My turn to rehearse. My stomach clenches and I tilt my chin down. Definitely not a dream. And if it is a dream, it's a really shitty one. Chapter 2 
Nick. Em tucks a strand of hair behind her ear, again and again, her mouth slightly open and her chin tucked in. Clear sign she's either angry or disappointed or both, but trying very hard to keep it all bottled up inside. The last time she looked like this was right after her father got fired, and my chest tightens, remembering how sad she was, how she couldn't even look at me for a few days. But then she squares her shoulders and stares right at me. My gaze drops to her lips, lips that are so inviting I should get a prize for not asking if I could kiss her. Only once, only to taste those lips. She snaps her fingers in front of me. And why should I go? She asks, putting a hand on her waist. I was here first, Mr. Entitlement. And she's back, ladies and gentlemen. I tilt my head to the side, going for the innocent, I'm so nice look. I didn't know. That's a lie. Roberto told me where she was, and yes, I had to rehearse, but I could have waited. But when you saw me dancing, you could have used another room. It's the best one, but it's not the only one. I can almost see her pump her fist in the air because she thinks she found the solution. A way to prove me wrong. Her life mission, apparently. It is the only one open right now. They're remodeling the other ones. I pause. I wasn't joking. You looked amazing. I've only seen her dance like this one other time. Like today, she was alone in a rehearsal room, and she completely lost herself to the movements. She's usually so put together, so serious about dancing, too much of a perfectionist to portray and communicate the emotions to the audience. Her body was one with the music. And she was hot. She is hot. And the wrong brain is taking over. Thanks, she replies, blushing and glancing everywhere but at me again. I clear my throat, tempted to forget my promises to Roberto, tempted to forget I only do short-term relationships, ones with expiration dates, tempted to forget everything but her. The crush I've had on her ever since she beat me at Mario Kart last year wearing shorts which showed her long legs has gotten bigger and bigger, kind of like me now. I shift around. Anyways, there are rules. I sound like a dick. But there are rules I need to follow. Not the rules I'm talking to her about, but rules nonetheless. Strict rules. Not the ones her brother, my best friend, gave me, but my own. Never fall for a girl. Never fall for this girl. And since when do you follow rules? She stretches on her toes, goes back down, stretches back up. She's mesmerizing, and now I sound like an idiot. She continues talking. Apparently, since you decided the Hamptons weren't cool enough for you this year, we're going to have to share this room for the next few weeks. You can't come in here and tell me I'm done rehearsing simply because you said so. Did you sign your name on the sheet? What sheet? She stays on her toes and glances around the room. Online? There's a calendar of reservations for the rehearsal room, and it's been mine for the past twenty minutes. I was actually very generous to let you keep on dancing. Generous my ass. Are we really having a discussion about your ass? I tease her. You're impossible! She grunts, throwing her arm into the air and leaning against the mirror. There are rules about the mirror, too. You're an asshole, she replies 
but she stops leaning on the mirror. Amelia is known to follow the established rules, to try to be perfect. Her tone is angry, but her lips are turned up in a half-smile, the one that says she thinks I'm funny. I love that smile. I see your mind is really set on that ass discussion, I answer, laughing. I can't help it. Em and I always have this easy banter, this kind of back and forth where we push each other's buttons but know the lines not to cross. She sighs. I give up. I didn't know about the sheet, she says. I'm glad I can teach you things. Oh, little one. I joke and expect her to get all pissy at me, but instead she steps toward me. She's way too close. She's not close enough. Little one, really? Everyone knows size doesn't matter. My mouth gapes open. Did you say what I think you said? Her dimples deepen as she laughs. You should have seen your face. What do you know about size anyways? She grunts. Really? We're so not having this conversation either. I need a shower. I need to get back home. And I need you out of my face. And I'm picturing her in the shower. I shift on my feet again. This is becoming very uncomfortable. I'm here for the summer, and Roberto wants me to hang out. He told me I should come for dinner sooner than later. What? Her eyes glance down, and it seems she's trying to look upset, but instead there's almost hope on her face. Rob does want us to go back to the way things were before his dad got fired, but Rob has also warned me about flirting with them. Rob has warned me not to break her heart. I need to stop flirting. Now. So I lie. Not tonight, though. I have a date with Jen tonight. Jen? Jen? She steps back and puts on her shirt in a hurry. I can't believe you're going on a date with Jen. Again. Why not? I shrug. She doesn't need to know that the only reason I dated Jen in the first place was because my dad told me to. The only reason I spent so much time with her was to help him land a business deal with Jen's parents. She was a total asshole to me. She stares at me like I've lost my mind. She sees you as a threat. Natalia is her th threat, N not me. Amelia stutters. She only stutters when she's excited or hurt. I'm pretty sure she's not excited right now, and I have to hold myself back. I can't tell her that this date with Jen is not real. To tell the truth, I'm not even sure Jen is in the city. I should probably call her. She's more than the act she puts on at school, and when we dated, for a whopping two weeks, she dropped the spoiled girl act, but Em and she have been rivals since they both got into the School of Performing Arts. You're a better dancer than you give yourself credit for, I tell her instead. She shakes her head, pokes my chest. I am an amazing dancer, but I know my place. I'm not the best dancer yet. I worry about my technique too much. She pauses. Anyways, it's not about my dancing. It's about the fact that you're going out with Jen. She doesn't even like you. My hand on my chest, I wince. Hey, that hurts. Everyone likes me. Jen told me dating her was helping her social status at the school and was helping get her parents off her back. They want her to have a social life and to thrive, as she told me. That's why I didn't feel that bad about going out with her. She was using me like I was using her. Every girl thinks you're hot. There's a difference. I must look hurt because M frowns. 
Fine, you're right. Everyone likes you. I laugh. I'm pretty likable, and glad to know you think I'm hot. I should stop this conversation right here and right now. I have to rehearse, but I guess we'll see each other around. Pretty hard to avoid it. It's getting pretty hard to avoid the hardness down south, too, but I can't let M know about that. M, who's totally off limits. M, who I can't stop thinking about. M, who I know damn well I could hurt. See you around, I tell her and turn to the stereo on the side of the room. I hand her the Madonna CD, careful not to touch her fingers because I only have so much self-restraint. She rushes out, grabbing her clothes and putting them on quickly before slamming the door behind her. I close my eyes, breathing deeply. Spending the entire summer with M, dancing with M, laughing with M, talking with M, kissing M, caressing M. Both my heads seem to like that plan. Fuck. Chapter 3 M The heat engulfs me. Even with an AC barely functioning, the building stayed somewhat cooler than the outside inferno. That or my entire body is in flames. There was a moment. A moment like you see in movies or read about in books. I'm not sure if it was the way he was looking at me, the way he smiled when he first saw me, the way his voice turned much lower when he said I looked beautiful. But it doesn't matter. He's seeing Jen. Perfect Jen. Jen with her perfect skin and perfect smile and perfect ballet technique. Jen who does her best to sabotage me every chance she gets. Jen who hates me. Ever since she dated Nick and he dumped her, she's hated me. I enter Central Park instead of going straight into the subway, barely avoiding a group of tourists who are walking while taking pictures of everything. I breathe in the sweet smell of cotton candy, a pang of regret and longing in my chest. Nick and I used to eat cotton candy in the Hamptons at least once every summer. It was something we did together, just the two of us, kind of an unspoken tradition. I shake my head and stride through the crowds. Jen or no Jen, moment or no moment. Nothing is going to change. He's got this weird bro code with Roberto that he can't date me. And he changes girlfriends as quickly as his pas de deux. And man, he can spin. Can you be careful where you're going? A lady with a strong French accent hisses. She's holding two kids by the hands. One of them has an ice cream cone almost bigger than his face, and my bag swings dangerously close to it. I'm sorry. The words tumble out of my mouth and I hurry out of the way. She mutters something I don't understand and then pulls her children with her. My la vie en rose ringtone is almost too perfect for this moment. The woman turns around and actually smiles at me. One of those I'm tired and sorry I was bitchy smiles. And the more I look at her, the more I see the lines underneath her eyes, the tears gathered in them, the way she keeps on looking behind her as if she's expecting someone else to be with her. But there's no one. Hi, I pick up. Hey, sis, are you sleeping at the studio? Roberto sounds amused. I'm on my way to Nona's, and then I'll head home. Where are you? I'll be home soon, he replies, avoiding my question in true Roberto fashion. And then he continues, Did you run into Nick? He wanted to go rehearse, too. He said something about a certain list you should be using. My mouth gapes open. You talked to Nick about my rehearsal? 
I stop walking. By the way, I didn't know you went to his place last night to play. It was about time, Roberto sighs. It's not his fault Dad got fired. My chest constricts remembering the look on Dad's face when he told us he no longer had a job. I know. Roberto clears his throat, his usual sign he doesn't want to get all sentimental. Nick and I are planning on finding ways to have a blast since we're both stuck in hell for the summer. I'm sweating so much it's repulsive. He pauses. The beach. That's more my scene. Anyways, wanted to let you know we're going to be moving some boxes in the pod tonight. Fun times. You know how to make everything fun, I reply. Be careful. See you, sis. He hangs up and my eyes search for the woman with the two kids. They're by the Bethesda Fountain. Nick and Roberto love that place because it's the starting point for Delta and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. I have a love-hate relationship with the fountain because that's where I thought Nick was going to kiss me for the first time last winter. But instead of feeling his lips on mine, he kissed my cheek, cleared his throat, and mumbled something about me being Roberto's little sister. The kids splash each other while the woman holds the cone, ice cream running down her fingers. She laughs once but then stops as if she shouldn't be laughing, as if the sound is all wrong. On y va, she tells her boys, who follow her without complaint, holding on to her like she's their lifesaver. Before I can say anything, and really, what would I say? She disappears into Central Park. We're the same height, have the same dark brown hair color, the same lost battle with our frizzy curls. And I have one of those sinking feelings that she could be my mother, or someone similar to my mother. She looked ready to collapse from sadness. But at the same time, she seemed to be fighting for her kid's happiness. Maybe that's what my mother did when she dropped me off at the hospital when I was only a newborn. She was fighting. My mind reels during the entire ride to Brooklyn, where my grandmother Nona lives. Between the encounter with the woman and knowing Nick was well aware I was in the studio, I'm equal parts excited and anxious about this summer, about seeing Nick, about looking for my birth parents. It could go wrong in so many ways, but maybe it will all work out. Maybe it's going to be the best summer of my life. The train isn't as crowded as during the school year, and I actually grab a seat, next to a woman about mom's age who seems to be deep in her book. To busy my hands, I pull out my cell from its designated spot in my bag, everything has a specific spot, and log into our school's The Friend Connect. Jen and I may not talk much, but we're friends on there. I click on her profile picture, the one where she's dancing a solo at last year's showcase, and scroll through her page. She has a picture of the Eiffel Tower, and then her status update says, Paris was amazing. Loved shopping on the Champs and visiting the opera, but now time to get serious. She posted the link to the Lyon Opera de Ballet. She didn't mention knowing someone over there. She's posting pictures from France. She's been there the past four days. She's checking out some dance companies in France. Nick's such a liar. I'm not quite sure if I should laugh about it or be offended. After all, he made up going on a date with Jen to simply avoid spending more time with me. But then why did he come to the studio when he knew I'd be there? Asshole, I mutter and the lady next to me whispers, Tell me about it. We exchange a commiserating glance and then she gets back to her book. Something about being almost 50 and starting new again. I'm not even 17 yet, and I have the feeling I need to start all over again. Note to heart. Find someone else to have a crush on. Note to self. Stop talking to yourself. People might think you're weird. I'm so deep in thought I almost missed my stop. With my gym bag on my shoulder, I slide outside the metro and hurry up the stairs. 
turn right into the crowded street and take a deep breath when a breeze of air finally blows my way. The humidity and stuffiness of the last few days have almost been too much. I miss the Hamptons. In the Hamptons, I could sit on the sand, my legs in the water, enjoying the little wind by the sea. In the Hamptons, it was all about bonfires and laughter and getting a tan and time with Nick. Nick, who gave me a sweater when I was shivering one night on the beach. Nick, who always made sure I was having a good time. Nick, who makes it very hard to not fall for him. But we had to sell the house we owned there. And when Dad told us about it, I managed to keep a smile on my face. There's no reason he should suffer even more knowing that we're disappointed. He's already so sad about everything. Some new family is making new memories. Good for them. Nona's restaurant is on the corner of the next block. I stop to clear my mind. Nona can tell right away if I'm sad or worried or preoccupied. But my smile is genuine when I spot the big sign Nona placed in front of her restaurant. The best Italian food in New York. Almost better than in Italy. She added a few tables outside, and one of the waiters is trying to convince a couple that they should experience Nona's lasagna for themselves. I slide past them and push the restaurant's door open. The AC blasts right in my face, and I shiver. Hi, Nona! I call for my grandmother, who's been treating Brooklyn to her famous Italian dishes for the past 40 years. I overhear her in the kitchen talking about some new dish she wants to make. And then she struts my way, her gray hair in a chignon, her black dress covered with a white apron. She's been wearing black ever since Papa passed away two years ago. Hi, bellissima, she replies and gives me a big hug. I'm glad you're coming to see me. You know I always love to come here. Plus, no one is home yet. Dad is at work, Mom's at some charity event, and Roberto is... somewhere, either cramming for that research group he's part of this summer, or hanging out with some friends. Are you here to help me bake my famous baked ziti, bellissima? I'd love to, I reply. Let me wash my hands. The restaurant's not quite full yet, but the kitchen is already busy, preparing the main dish for the evening. My Nona hands me the onions. Cut them like I taught you to. And for the next thirty minutes, we cook in silence. It's one thing I love about being here with her. No questions, no judgment, no expectations except to be myself. And for the thousandth time, I promise myself that no matter what I end up finding, no matter who my blood family is, no matter my feelings, I will never hurt my parents, Roberto, or Nona. Never. Again, thank you so much for listening. So to writers out there, happy writing. And to everybody, happy reading.